It's time for Bolts by the Horns, LA's finest football podcast. Here are your hosts, Nick Hamilton and Michael Duarte. Take it away, guys. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Another edition of Bolts by the Horns is in the building. Once again, I'm your host, Nick Hamilton, alongside Michael Duarte. And uh, we'll be doing some reviewing on week one. How did week one go in the NFL? How did we do with week one? Also, we'll get you set and ready for week two. Got your fantasy picks, who was right, who was wrong, and the two-minute drill how we'll go through that gauntlet all that and more here on bolts by the horns podcast make sure you follow us on all social media handles at nick hamilton la you can also follow michael duarte at michael j duarte uh first and foremost before we go any further definitely have to give our uh thoughts and prayers and condolences out to the family of ruth bader ginsburg who was uh passed away at the age of 87 uh definitely a woman that fought for justice and, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers are out with her family as well as the country continues to mourn uh, her loss and her death. I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. So shout out to RBG. Torius RBG. Pioneer for justice for everybody, uh, including for female justice and women's rights. Ruth Bader Ginsburg changed the way the world is for American women. Uh, shout out to her. Uh, that's a tremendous loss. It just seems like it just keeps getting worse in 2020. But Nick, yes. week one in the NFL, we finally had professional football. There was no preseason to warm us up. So how did you spend Sunday afternoon, week one, in your underwear with a bag of Doritos? Like that's what I was picturing. Like what were you? What were you doing? Man? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You should never picture another man in his underwear, okay? Number one, no, don't do I that. I picture Nick, for our listeners out there, in tidy whities with a bag of fire Doritos, fire hot Doritos, just kicking back, watching <laughs> the Chargers spin the wheels, unable to do anything on offense. Go Chargers, go! Well, they did enough on offense. Apparently, they got the win, so that's all they needed. But uh, first and foremost, keep your fantasies to yourself. You should, another man should not be wondering what another man is wearing or doing at that point. But uh, no, it was a, it was interesting to watch the Chargers uh, take on their first game. I know speaking to a lot of the guys during the week, you know, they were looking forward to this, not just because it was the first game of the season, but because they had another team they can go up against instead of each other. So, uh, you know, they started off slow. Both teams started off really sloppy. Uh Joe Burrow took took a little bit of time of getting warmed up. Obviously, Tyrod Taylor now being the starter for the Chargers took some time to warm up. But eventually, both teams kind of got going. Uh, Joe Burrow found a rhythm, especially in the second half. And Tyrod Taylor uh, with the ground game, you know, the ground game was pivotal. And you have to thank Josh Kelly for that, the rookie out of UCLA, because Josh Kelly was the one, according to head coach Anthony Lynn, was the one that helped him win that game. Uh, minus the kicker missing the field goal. And if I'm Joe Burrow, man, I, I, I'm i not talking to the kicker for at least two weeks. You cost me my first win. And if I'm him and all the hard work he put in, obviously he made some mistakes, as a rookie should. I mean, he threw an interception right to Melvin Ingram in the second half, like trying to do a shovel pass. And then he got sacked by his former Ohio State teammate, Joey Bosa. Uh, welcome him to the NFL. So there were some bright spots. There were some down spots. But overall, I think the Chargers held their own, especially on defense. They looked really well on defense, um, despite not having Derwin James and Drew Tranquil, for that matter. And I think offensively, it was the ground game. I know we expected a lot more out of Keenan Allen. Mike Williams didn't have a bad game. Uh, Hunter Henry had a pretty decent game as well. But I think we expected more out of Keenan Allen just because of the season that he came off uh, back in 2019. So... The ground game was seemed to be working for the Chargers. They went to it. Austin Eckler had a really good game, uh, but the story was Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he was the reason he got them in the end zone, and you know the Chargers were able to prevail as they move out of Cincinnati and head now for Week Two against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they get to open up their side of SoFi Stadium uh, this Sunday. So it was an it was it wasn't an impressive win, but hey, a win is a win in Week One after some sloppy football 
early on in the first half. If there's ever such a thing as an unimpressive win, Nick, then that was an unimpressive win. But as you said, they walk away with the W and you were spot on. You told our listeners that Josh Kelly is a guy to look out for, a guy to watch for, rookie out of UCLA. He absolutely, in my opinion, was the the offensive player of the game for the Chargers. He averaged five yards per carry. He got them in the end zone, like you said. Um, fans might not remember or not who, who might have not been watching that game. It was 13 to six Bengals going into the fourth quarter. I was about to text Nick like, ha, 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 ha. Your Chargers are shit in the bed, excuse my language. And uh, they were able to pull it out with, with a, a good fourth quarter led by Josh Kelly. But I do feel bad for Joe Burrow. Um, he played well enough to steal that victory at home from the Chargers, but veteran Randy Bullock, a guy we did not think would miss the field goal, hurt them and cost them that game. But at the end of the day, a win's a win. Um, so Nick, yeah, Nick what? tried to fake an injury. That was funny. That was the funniest part of the entire game. That yeah, I did say that. Yeah, when he tried to fake getting hurt after he missed that kick, I do. That was great. <laughs> we should have talked and focused on that more. But you know what? I will say this, Nick. Uh, before you go into what's going on right now with the Chargers uh, team heading into Week Two. You know, I thought that I'll say two things, Nick, two points I want to bring up and see what you say on it. First and foremost, the one thing I want to point out is we thought the Chargers defense would be good. They were. Uh, they held the Cincinnati Bengals to just 13 points. The Bengals scored 30 points on Thursday night football against the Browns. But I think this Chargers offense could be a lot worse than we anticipated on the year. The Cleveland Browns, Nick, put up 35 points on the Bengals. Whereas the Chargers were barely able to squeak by with 16. What do you have to say about that, Nick? Well, first of all, it's week one. These guys have had no preseason. They had a shortened training camp and all they had been able to do, they haven't even had a scrimmage. Like normally in times with OTAs and with training camp, you have scrimmages against other teams. Uh, we've seen it in times before they've even scrimmaged against the Rams or they've scrimmaged against the New Orleans Saints. So they have some type of competition and some type of measure to gauge where they were as they headed into a preseason opportunity or even the regular season. So this time it was completely different. A lot of teams stunk it up, weren't that impressive on the offensive end or even the defensive end of the ball. Um, it's going to take a while. Some teams are going to gel faster than others. Some teams tell that, are going, yeah, tell that to the Packers and Vikings uh, who combined to score exactly. 77, Nick, and they didn't have any preseason. Yeah, but I mean, certain teams, I mean, there's some teams that didn't that didn't that didn't fare well either. I mean, you look at the uh, another game that we'll talk about later on, but also, I mean, it, it just depends on the nature of what you're doing. I'm not too concerned about the Chargers offense. I am concerned as it pertains to the quarterback play, as it pertains to getting the aerial uh, the aerial unit and more involved. Like I said earlier, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, uh, Virgil Green, those guys getting more involved. And I think uh, for this coming Sunday, I think you're going to see more of an aerial attack from the Chargers versus just strictly being more so a, a ground unit. Um, I think the ground unit will have a, a, a say in it, but I don't see them just being dominant in the fourth quarter like we saw uh, in week one against the Cincinnati Bengals. So, like I said before, Tyrod is not going to lose you games, but the question is how far can he go to win you games? And I said, I'll say this again. I've said it time and time again. I would feel more comfortable if the Chargers made that move to get Cam Newton behind Tyrod Taylor instead of just letting Cam slip through their fingers and go back and back east to the Patriots. It's that Absolutely. simple. Absolutely. Uh, definitely. I think Cam Newton would provide more of an offensive pop for, for, for the chargers than Tyrod Taylor does. As we talked about before, this feels almost like a gap year for the chargers, a gap year being, which is something very common in Europe where you take a year off before you really get into, you know, your college education. In this instance, we refer to it as maybe the chargers are taking a year off before they hand the keys to that car to Justin Herbert. Uh, and they, let him be the f the future for, at the quarterback position for the Chargers. But, you know, I will say one thing, Nick, regardless of them not going after Cam Newton, it looks like the Chargers made the right decision at quarterback this last offseason by letting Phillip Rivers go. Phillip Rivers is going to Phillip Rivers. Two interceptions costing <laughs> his team, the Indianapolis Colts, his new team, the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who everybody has as probably the worst team in the NFL this year. Phillip Rivers uh, expected to do big things with a new team, but it turns out Tiger don't change his stripes. 
He is the exact same guy. He is who we thought he was. But they are who we thought they were. And we let him off the hook. So it looks like the Chargers at least made the decision by there because you, the right decision there. Because as you said, Nick, you know, Tyrod Taylor's not going to necessarily win you games, but he ain't going to lose you games either. And I can't tell you how many times Phillip Rivers with those interceptions lost the Chargers some games in the yeah. past. In the fourth quarter. However many years, 17 years. I don't remember over the last 17 well, years. Especially the last, the last four years, he's really been awful. Uh, he had that one good year where he kind of just peaked. And I tell people all the time, right before you go down, you will have that peak moment. And then you'll have a complete drop off. And that's when you know it's over. So, I, I mean, good luck and good riddance to Phillip Rivers. I mean, if Indianapolis wanted to overpay him $25 million, I mean, he's not worth $25 million with, with $25 million in his pocket. But if that's what the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts want to do, so be it. Pay yeah, and he's, it, he's got it, it, $1 million for each one of his kids who that they're going to fill up that house they now have in <laughs> Indiana. So that's, that's good for them. But the last yeah. thing I'll say about the Chargers, they also made a right decision by letting Melvin Gordon walk. Because yes. it looks like Josh Kelly and Austin Eckler together, they have two different running styles. They can be lethal together as they showed against the Bengals. I know you said they might throw the ball more in week two, but regardless, that ground game, that running game looks really good. Well, Nick, we've beat up on the Chargers a little bit too much right now. At the end of the day... No, you have. I, I, we both have for their week one performance. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they're undefeated, like you said. They got a W, and that's all that matters. So let's look back and see what we got right and what we got wrong, as we do every week on this show, our little segment uh, where we like to go back in time. Ready? All right, Nick, you said that the Chargers would win 24-17. to They did not cover the spread. It was a push. They won 16-13. to You were wrong uh, on the final score. You were wrong. Uh, that they would cover the spread, but you were right that they ended up winning the game and got the victory. Looking back at the fantasy numbers for there as well, you told our listeners to start Tyrod Taylor. That was not a very good uh, pick for you. You told them to start Austin Eckler. Wasn't bad. He didn't get in the end zone. Maybe you should have recommended they start Josh Kelly as well, but you know he's young, so... We didn't know how well he would do as well. You told them to start Keenan Allen, Nick. That also turned out to be wrong. Not because he didn't have you know, an okay game. He just didn't have the massive game that we thought he would. You told them to start Hunter Henry, and you were right on that, Nick. He had a big game. Not Didn't find the end zone, but had a big game nonetheless uh, for him. You told them to start the Money Badger. Not bad. He ended up getting, uh, you know, a couple field goals there, but he did miss a field goal, Nick, which cost some some fantasy players some points. And we both said to start the Chargers defense. That ended up being right. They finished with 11 points, the number four ranked defense in the NFL last week. So good job on that. So, Nick, we'll switch gears a little bit to the NBC Sunday night game from week one. The Rams and the Cowboys. Nick, what did you see from that game? Well, first and foremost, hats off to Malcolm Brown, who scored SoFi Stadium's very first touchdown, not once, but twice. He had a multi, it was his first multi game, and I believe, ooh, ever in his career. So hats off to Malcolm Brown. He ran the ball extremely well. Cam Akers came in, uh, did some really dynamic things uh, as a rookie. Didn't get into the end zone, but made sure he kept the chains rolling down the field as the Chargers, excuse me, as the Rams, rather, uh, moved down the field. I mean, like I said, the, the first uh, half was absolutely incredible for the Rams. I mean, they moved the ball in a way that we hadn't seen in, in quite some time. Jared Goff did not look like the, the Jared Goff we saw last season. His footwork looked like it improved. It looked like he, it, for me, it looked like he improved having an offensive coordinator and Kevin O'Connell. I know those two have been working uh, together off season. I know they've been working together in training camp and building that relationship and building that rapport. And it showed, especially in the first half, the Dallas Cowboys had no answer on defense for the Rams. Um, the only the only bright spot I believe for the Cowboys was Ezekiel Elliott, and and, and Zeke is going to eat. Um, but there were some key fourth quarter plays. Speaking of Zeke going to eat, what'd you think of his new feed me tattoo that he unveiled after he scored that touchdown on his cross his stomach? Uh, who cares? I mean, 
Who cares? Like how many how many stomach tattoos have we seen thus far? I mean, we saw Tupac, Nas. Okay, now you got one. Congratulations. You want Reminded me of the little shop of horrors. Feed me no, I don't want to see I don't want to see another stomach tattoo on a dude. I'm sorry. I'm I yeah, it was weird, but at least it says <laughs> feed me in the correct place, unless you know, right. putting feed me tattooed somewhere else on his body, which would just be extremely weird. Um at least he put it over his stomach. Um though yeah. I guess it should have gone in his mouth, but I understand the reference for that's where the running back holds yeah, the ball. I mean, I get it, but like I said, I mean, to me, I was glad to see the, the, the Rams buckle down on defense in the fourth quarter. Two key plays, uh, especially one involving the brand-new uh, Mr. Moneybags Malone. I like to call him Jalen Ramsey, uh, who made a critical play uh, in the fourth quarter, got offensive a pass interference call, and that pretty much changed the game and shut it down for the Dallas Cowboys. What I didn't understand is how, if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you're Dak Prescott and you're, you're marching down the field and it's fourth and three and you're within field goal range to at least tie the game and try to force And you try to go for it, correct. And you go for it. It makes no sense. Now you understand why Mike McCarthy was ran out of Green Bay because of making stupid plays like that. Made absolutely no sense, but it, was, it, it, paid, it paid off in the Rams' favor, obviously, because guess what? They stopped them on fourth and three, so... You know, like I said, I was I was impressed by the Rams defense, especially um, with the new defensive coordinator. Um, I was impressed by the Rams actually being disciplined enough to buckle down, especially in the fourth quarter, like I said, and get the victory. So it was a great game. It was a very intense game. Uh, Everybody was hyped for it. Even the players being without the fans, even you and I were both on the call afterwards and uh, just listening to the players, you know, express how it was, you know, it was, it was weird. It was strange. It was interesting. All kind of colorful adjectives that were coming out of the mouths of the players, but they all were glad that they actually got week one under their belt, finally faced some real competition and got the W most important. Well, here are my quick takeaways. Um, the, 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 the rust that they talked about by not having preseason games and stuff like that that you were talking about with the Chargers and the Bengals, I don't think it necessarily affects offenses to the point. As we saw, there was anomalies like the Packers and Vikings putting up 77 points. To me, it was tackling. And I thought both teams had difficulty tackling. Uh, that's one thing that you can't replicate in practice and stuff, uh, especially when you go against guys that are not your teammates. Uh, and the speed of the game being what it is, it speeds up on you in an actual game. So I thought the tackling was bad. I thought there was a little bit of sloppy play. I will say that I thought the Cowboys and Rams, to me, seemed about even, right? Like you said, uh, Coach McCarthy, the new head coach for the Dallas Cowboys, decides to go for it on fourth and three inside the Rams' red zone. Uh, Jordan Fuller, who's a guy I'll talk about in a second, makes a big stop there on C.D. Lamb, uh, yes. turns the ball over when the game would have been tied. We can even go back to that. Very, very questionable and controversial, I might add, offensive pass interference call at the end of the game on Jalen Ramsey. Um, it didn't necessarily look as clear cut as the referee said it was. It looked like Jalen Ramsey sold it a little bit uh, after you know he had gotten beat a little bit on the play. If you turn around that call, it could have been a makeup call for the non-call on the hands of the face on Jared Goff that turned into an interception for the Cowboys that I'm sure they saw and couldn't reverse either. So for me regardless of the mistakes the Cowboys made, that game could have been very even if they continued to play, you know, maybe they play to a tie over and over and over again. Uh, But, you know, the Rams do pull out the victory. And to me, the victory came on the defensive end, big stops, like we mentioned by Jordan Fuller, some big stops and big hits by, by Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald played out of his mind. Michael Brockers had a good game. So again, I think that the Rams squeaked it out by having a little bit of defense. The offense, especially playing on that fast turf at SoFi, was right about what I thought it was. So let's go back and look at what we predicted for that game in our segment uh, for what we got right and what we got wrong. So, Nick, you said the Rams would win 31-23 to uh, and that the Cowboys, who were favored by three, that the Rams would pull off the upset and win straight up on the money line. You were right about them winning straight up on the money line. You were not right by the margin that the Rams would win by. Uh, I nailed the margin right on the head. I said the Rams would win by three and put it on Sloman. It turned out Sam Sloman did have the game-winning field goal. We just didn't know when it would occur, and he missed an earlier field goal by hitting the crossbar. Doink. But the three-point margin was accurate. We both got those things correct. Now going down the fantasy line, 
We both said we should you should start Dak Prescott and start Jared Goff. The touchdowns went to Malcolm Brown. It wasn't that Goff had a bad game, but he did not find the end zone. So that ends up being a bad start for fantasy purposes. Whereas mm. Dak Prescott had a great game. That was a right, correct pick for both of us. Um, we both said you have to start Ezekiel Elliott. We were both right. He had a monster game. Touchdown on both sides of the ball, running and uh, receiving. Whereas I said, don't play any Rams running backs. You agreed with me, Nick, but guess what? Malcolm Brown with his two touchdowns would have been a great start. Could you steal him there? Um, I did mention that Cam Akers, and I will talk about a little bit later, is the guy to own long-term on that team. He got the start. He was there on the very first possession of the game in the backfield. That was a little bit surprising to me, but it shows me, and we'll get into that a little bit later when I tell you what's going on in Rams camp this week, Nick. It shows me that Cam Akers is the guy that maybe we should own long-term, uh, but maybe expect Malcolm Brown to be the touchdown vulture uh, and to get the bulk of the inside the goal line carries. Uh, at the receiving position, Nick, you said start Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb. We both said start Cooper, and that ended up being correct. C.D. Lamb was a meh pick for you. We both said to start Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Robert Woods, we got right. Cooper Cup was also kind of a meh pick. We both said to start Tyler Higbee. Tyler Higby was a man. We said to bench the Cowboys tight end Darwin. We both got that correct. Uh, we said you should start Greg Zerloin, Nick. Greg the leg playing against his former team. We got that wrong. He missed a field goal inside Stofi and did not play very well. Um, we both said do not start Sam Sloman. It was, you could have... You could have started him. It would have been okay, but he did miss a field goal too, so it was probably right to bench him. And we said don't play either of those defenses. I think they finished tied for 13th or 14th this week in the NFL Knicks, so it ended up being a good bench on both of those. So for the most part in the Rams-Cowboys game, we got a lot more right than we got wrong overall for our listeners. All right, so now that the Rams are 1-0 and and they prepare for their upcoming matchup against the Eagles in Philadelphia, so – Duarte, what is the latest going on in Thousand Oaks at Rams camp? Well, it seems like every single day, Nick, or every single week, how you look at it is just, it's like the Brinks truck backing up to the Rams facility in <laughs> Thousand Oaks and dropping off a bunch of money to a player. Last week, it was Jalen Ramsey. The next day, it was Cooper Cup. Today, this week, it is Robert Woods, who signs a four-year, $65 million extension, Nick, with the Rams, they now have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods locked up long-term on offense to go with Jared Goff, uh, to go with Tyler Higby, who's also locked up long-term. And, of course, on the defensive end, they got Aaron Donald now locked up long-term, and they got Jalen Ramsey, their shutdown corner, locked up uh, long-term. So I spoke to Robert Woods, former USC alum, just like myself, uh, on a video conference call this week before the extension was there, but we asked about the extension. He seemed very optimistic a deal would get done. Sean McVay on Friday's news with the media seemed very optimistic that a deal would get done. And sure enough, later that afternoon, the deal is done. I will say each and every year, Robert Woods continues to build a better rapport with Jared Goff. Last year, he had a career high in receptions with 90 and posted his second straight 1,000-yard season. He's a great route runner. He can fit at various different positions uh, as far as wide receiver goes and, and where he lines up. So I think it's a good idea to, long, to lock him up long-term as well, I guess. And then you still have room if Van Jefferson turns into what we think he'll be. You'll have yes. him under a rookie deal, and that gives you a great three-headed monster in the wide receiver core. Uh, next news out of the camp, Nick. Um, a lot of talk this week about 2016 NFL draft overall picks one and two in Jared Goff and Carson Wentz going head to head this week as the Rams take on the Eagles. We'll get into a little bit in our preview because obviously the quarterback position is massive, but uh, that's been the discussion right now all week at, at, at camp. It's Goff and Wentz. The Rams had the number one pick. We didn't know if they would go with Goff or if they'd go with Carson Wentz. Both of them have been to a Super Bowl. Uh, Carson Wentz has won it, even though he wasn't playing and has a ring. Jared Goff does not, but they both, in my opinion, seem to be mirroring each other and both having a lot of success. Well, the, the success, as far as the health is concerned, I think Jared Goff has been a lot healthier than Carson that's, Wentz. That's Carson, true. Wentz. Carson Wentz has battled a lot of injury, which is why we saw Nick Foles in that Super Bowl and actually win that Super Bowl because Carson Wentz went down. No, Wentz was having an nothing. MVP season that year before he got yeah. hurt towards the end. Um, but I'm, I'm curious if you think, based on what you're saying, that 
Would would the Eagles have still won the Super Bowl if Carson Wentz was still the starting quarterback instead of Nick Foles in that game? Obviously, we got the Philly special that we look back at. Yeah, I, I think they they absolutely had an opportunity to win it uh, because Carson was was on a roll, as you said, he had an MVP type season. But the other the other big news or the other talk I should say that's going on with the Rams is the fact that Sean McVay is once again facing Doug Peterson, a coach he's never defeated since both of these coaches were hired to walk their respective sidelines. So it should be interesting to see if Sean McVay is going to finally get that first victory over Doug Peterson uh, this coming Sunday. And then finally out of Rams camp, uh, we talked a lot about Cam Akers this week. Uh, He didn't find out until the night before that he was going to start. It'd be the starting running back in the backfield for the opener against the Cowboys. And Sean McVay this week announced he will be starting again, but he wanted to kind of preface that by saying, Okay, so he's the first one in the backfield on our first possession, but that doesn't mean that Malcolm Brown's not going to get a ton of carries, maybe even end up with more carries than Cam Akers like he did in week one, or that Darrell Henderson if he's got the hot hand. So it sounds like with three quality running backs, the Rams are going to ride the hot hand, but they do really like Cam Akers, uh, Nick. They like the job that he did. They like that he protects the football. They like that he puts his pads down, runs downhill, is not afraid of contact. He's a small guy. Uh, he's like five. He's listed at five eleven, but I think he's shorter than I am, to be honest with you. Seeing him face to face, but you know, he's he's a guy who's a rookie, but he's still kind of showing up and playing like a veteran, especially by being named the starting back. Uh, and running backs coach Thomas Brown has nothing but great things to say about him. So yeah. it looks like, as I said, Cam Akers is going to be the starting running back if if those things matter to you long term with the Rams. Well, yeah, I think he's – and plus he's such a versatile player. I mean, this guy can catch out the backfield. He can actually throw the ball down the field if necessary. So he's so versatile. He's he's very – has a very high football IQ. And I think that's why a lot of guys gravitate towards him. That's why a lot of guys are able to really work with him because he's, he's very teachable. And that's something that even uh, Thomas Brown spoke about is that he's very teachable. He's very receptive. Uh, but I want to real, – real quick, if we can, I just want to give a lot of props and credit to Jalen Ramsey. We all know he had a, a huge deal, a huge contract, and he's definitely putting his money to use. Uh, if you recall, you know, he gave a million dollars to the Purpose Preparatory Academy uh, out there in Tennessee. And when we were on the call with him on Friday, uh, he was asked about, you know, what are some of the plans? What are some of the measures that he's looking forward to as far as being more active um, with the Preparatory Academy, with uh, Purpose Prep? And uh, he was just saying, look, I'm not here just to give money. You know, just to donate a million dollars or just donate money, period. I, I want to be more involved. Um, I'm trying to get more involved with the curriculum uh, because this is a school for economically disadvantaged kids. Um, you know, uh, he was, you know, he was just expressing how fortunate he was growing up with having both his parents and how they worked very hard to help him and his brother get uh, get to their dreams and achieve their goals. And uh, he wants to create some other programs within uh, Purpose Prep, like he wants to create a STEM program, which is uh, an opportunity for young people to learn coding and have a leg up when they get older to get into Silicon Valley um, and have opportunities to work for, for companies like Google and, um, you know, Oracle and places like that. So he's very well involved. He's very passionate about it. And I just want to give my hats off and, bear, and a lot of credit and, and props to Jalen Ramsey, because we always criticize athletes saying that they don't want to do anything with their money besides buy trinkets. But this man is truly putting his money where his mouth is. Uh, he's a great guy off the field and he's doing a lot for youth uh moving forward so i just want to give him a lot of credit on this show give him a lot of props and i have a tremendous amount of respect for Jalen ramsey what he's doing for those young people so nick i know you've been on the zoom calls this week uh with head coach anthony lynn and various chargers players what is the latest right now of chargers camp i know there's a major injury that uh our good friend NFL Network, Steve Weish, warned us about that is going to hurt yeah. the Chargers this week when they go against the Chiefs. Tell us the latest on that. Well, yeah, the up, up front uh, on the offensive line, you know, Mike Pounce, who's the, who's the center, who to me is the captain of that offensive line, will be out indefinitely dealing with a hip injury. So that's going to be a, a huge devastating loss uh, to that to that front and that offensive line. So we'll see what happens. We'll see who steps up on that O-line. But not having Mike Pounce is a, is a tremendous loss. Two undefeated teams at 1-0, but who know each other well in the AFC West. The Chargers will host the Kansas City Chiefs, as we talked about, bittersweet at SoFi Stadium. Uh, give us your preview of this game, and what do you? how do you think it'll go down? 
Well, one thing Anthony Lynn had mentioned was the fact that these guys know each other. They played each other, especially the last few years. They played each other. So they pretty much know each other. There's really no big-time surprises that you're going to get. Uh, obviously, the, the, the Chargers will be without Mike Pouncey for the foreseeable future because he's been battling that hip injury. And then they won't have they won't have Drew Tranquil, who's, off, who's on injured reserve. Obviously, Derwin James out for the season, so that still hurts. Uh, so you, you're starting to lose players that you need that are vital uh, to, to, to both sides of the ball. So that's going to be a challenge for them to make sure that Tyrod Taylor stays upright, or at least has enough time to get the ball off uh, before that, that Chiefs uh, interior defense tries to come at him. But I'm not as concerned. I think something that Tyrod Taylor uh, said this week is the one person you have to look out for, which is absolutely true, is the honey badger Tyrod Matthew. I think you have to w- watch where number 32 goes because he's like a shark in water. You got to watch where the fin is because if you're not paying attention to where the fin is, you could get bit. And uh, he's he's very impact. He's a very impactful player on that defense. Um, the chart, the Chiefs defense is not that great. It's not something to write home about, but it is decent enough where you get get guys involved and get guys to rotate and be able to throw their opponents off um, week in and week out. So we saw what they did against the Houston Texans. Uh, we saw, you know, what they've done in times prior and, and last year when they went made it all the way to the Super Bowl and won it. Uh, Pat Mahomes is extremely special. This is a kid that continues to take his 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 game to another level, being the Super Bowl MVP last year. Um, so I only expect greater things out of Pat Mahomes, but you still have Travis Kelsey, you still have Sammy Watkins, uh, you have a plethora of guys on offense that you can move around. So it's going to be difficult for the Chargers defense. I think the Chargers defense can still keep it close, um, but I don't foresee the Chargers upsetting the Chiefs this go around. I'd be a lot more confident if I had a guy like Drew Tranquil, if I had a Derwin James that can get you inside and out. I would be a lot more confident and say, hey, maybe the Chief, the Chargers can pull up the, the uh, pull off the upset, and maybe it'd be tight, but they pull off the upset nonetheless. But I'm not confident in the Chargers up, you know, upstaging. Uh, the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs come in and, and hand the Chargers uh, their first loss. They christen uh, their section of the new stadium, which is going to be really unfortunate. But I still think it's going to be a great game. Nonetheless, I think both teams are going to kind of figure each other out maybe in the first quarter. So you won't see a whole lot. Um, I don't think it will be sloppy as we saw against the Cincinnati Bengals. But I do think that the Chargers and the Chiefs will try to lock up and lock horns uh, with one another. No pun intended. Uh, to to make sure to, to try to fill each other out, and then we'll see some really, hopefully, some exciting football on both sides of the ball. All right, Duarte. So let's get your take on the Los Angeles Rams, who are currently one and zero, who will now travel on the road to the city of brotherly love to face the Eagles once again with no fans. How do you think this shakes out uh, between the Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams? Well, I won't tell you who wins yet till we get to the predictions, Nick, but this is a very interesting matchup. First of all, you have the Philadelphia Eagles who completely collapsed against the Washington football team. They had a big lead in the first half, and then they, you know how we say, as, as, as our friend Odell Beckham likes to say, they, they, then they shit the bed after trying to shit on his chest. But that is, that is what happened to the Eagles. So I think they're going to be coming in extra upset after losing in week one. Uh, and ready for the challenge against this Rams team. But this is why this is such a great matchup, Nick. Both of these teams finished 9-7 and seven last year. Had the playoffs been expanded last year, mm-hmm. the way the NFL has done it this year, those two teams would have been duking it out for that final wildcard spot. Ultimately, the Rams would have gotten it last year. But I think these teams are both in similar positions where they might be duking it out for that final wildcard spot again this year. That's why this head-to-head matchup, as far as tiebreaker purposes, as far as record purposes, is very, very important. Not to mention you have you know, two quarterbacks who went one and two in the 2016 NFL draft, as we mentioned, uh, and we've seen now three of them, as Dak Prescott was also in that draft. So uh, this game, in my opinion, is going to come down to the defense. You know, Nikel Roby Coleman, former Ram uh, nickel package defensive back who is famous for the pass interference no call that sent the Rams to the Super Bowl over the Saints. He is now with the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm told he will line up uh, against Cooper Cup a lot of the time when he's in the game. That's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. Another interesting matchup I want you to watch, Nick, is is what we saw from, from Jason Peters the offensive lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles who has struggled at times going against rookie 
Chase Young out of Ohio State who beat him a lot and made him look really bad in week one. That means whoever lines up against Jason Peters in week two for the Rams, whether Aaron Donald can break through the line or it's Michael Brockers against him, that's a matchup to look like, to look at as well. You definitely know that the Rams are looking at the tape saying, hey, if we can t- target Jason Peters and pick on him and get to the quarterback, we're going to be able to wreak havoc in that game if we can get to Carson Wentz regardless of that. And then finally, one thing we know that Carson Wentz likes is to go to his tight ends. We're talking Zach Ertz, who had a big game. We're also talking Dallas Goddard, who I think had eight catches, 101 yards in that in that week one loss for the Eagles. So you're going to need to focus on those tight ends if you are the Rams defensively this week. And I think that's going to mean whether it's a cornerback or whether they try to match up some linebackers on him, it's going to be difficult uh, for the Rams to match up with those two tight ends. And they're going to need to stop that if they want to be successful this week. But I think if you can get to Wentz, uh, and put pressure on the quarterback, as we will say every week in the NFL, you have a good chance to win this game. All right, Nick, now it's time for your favorite segment, the two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. That's where Nick and I go around the league talking about four national headlines breaking news, and we answer them as fast as possible in under 30 seconds for two minutes total. Nick, I'll start us off. Are you ready? Let's get it. Former Ram C.J. Anderson, who helped put the Rams on his back and lead them to the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, which they ultimately lost, has decided he was going to retire from the NFL. He announced his retirement on Friday, calling it quits at just the young age of 29 years old. He played seven professional seasons, went to the Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos who drafted him, uh, sorry, who who signed him as an undrafted free agent. Um, you know, but he was a, he made an impact when he was on the field as an undrafted free agent. I think he had a better career than most expected, Nick. Thoughts on C.J. Anderson's retirement? I think it was just due. I think, you know, once you feel, realize you tapped the well, it's time for you to walk away. And, and C.J. Anderson has nothing to be ashamed about. Hey, man, you, you led a team uh, to a Super Bowl. You came up a little short, but still had a good career. So hats off to C.J. Anderson. Yeah, Nick, you know, as I said, for an undrafted free agent to be able to play in three Super Bowls um, is amazing for C.J. Anderson. And... Um, you know, here's a guy who was a who's a bruiser. He's a bowling ball running back, kind of like Jerome Bettis a bit. Uh, and you never know. He is retired, but, you know, he came off the couch for the Rams two years ago and, and made it for that playoff run. So you never know if somebody calls him when he's off the couch. But, uh, you know, I would say for the most part, he had a pretty successful career for how old he is. All right. So Nike recently released an all black version of Colin Kaepernick's jersey to commemorate the four years from the first time he took a knee against police brutality, racism and oppression. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, as you uh, I don't know if you mentioned or not, but it's sold out in under one minute. I am not surprised at all by that. The first generation of that same icon jersey uh, sold out in just under 10 hours. Uh, back in 2018. So this one's selling out in under a minute, especially what's going on with social justice uh, and everything with our country right now. Doesn't surprise me. I think it's a great thing. Uh, what surprised me, though, is it was a $150 jersey. That's a large coin to dish out for that. But congrats to Colin Kaepernick. Congrats to Nike and everybody who bought it. Yeah, I think it's a great, I mean, for Nike to continue to honor this man and all that he sacrificed and all that he has done. I think it's great. I think the people that, that went out there and bought the jersey show uh, that he they support him, they support the movement. And I think it's a great gesture by Nike. It's just a, a travesty and a shame uh, that he's not on the football field with a real team uh, that you can actually buy a jersey like that. But I'm glad uh, the jersey was made available and uh, people were able to buy it and they sold out just like that. So hopefully they'll come up with another jersey. And hopefully this time you and I could probably try to get a hold of one of those jerseys before it sells out. The great thing is that that number seven Kaepernick jersey is becoming a symbol uh, across the country, not just as an NFL or football player jersey, the same as Kobe Bryant's Black Mamba jersey that's sold out also on their site too. These things becoming symbols, not just repping a team or a player, it's becoming a global symbol and an icon. Uh, Nick, for you, 
Ben Roethlisberger, the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, played his very first game in just about a year, 364 days, so he's 24 hours short of a year. After the game, he said, I felt like I was just in a car accident. Nick, as someone who I'm sure has been in some car accidents before, uh, what do you think of Roethlisberger's comments? Um, are we really surprised? I mean, Ben is old. That's what happens. You gotta, you gotta put the flex off 454. You gotta, you gotta lace up with the Ben Gay. I mean, they're gonna come at him hard and come at him fast. I mean, it's gonna take a while for his body to get acclimated uh, to NFL lifestyle once again. I mean, he's been, he's been off for what a year. Uh, he's gotten older, so those hits are not gonna stop coming, man. So better get used to it. Ice up. Yeah, well, the biggest thing is that they got the win 26-16 over the New York Giants. So congrats to Big Ben on getting back. But you know what, Nick? He is only 38 years old. He got a year off last year to recuperate and recover his body. Tom Brady is 43 years old and has probably taken more punishment than Ben Roethlisberger because he's always going deep in the playoffs each and every year. So that just tells me that Tom Brady does a better job of keeping his body in good shape than Big Ben Roethlisberger. And I think that shows just in their physical appearance as well. All right, so speaking of Tom Brady, he left the, the comfortable nest of the New England Patriots and traveled down south to join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Did not have the greatest debut, and Bruce Arians, his head coach, decided, you know what, I'm going to criticize Brady and throw him under the bus. Also, former uh, quarterback and future Hall of Famer uh, Brett Favre decided to jump his comments into the fire and decided to defend Brady. Your thoughts on what Brett Favre said and also what Bruce Arian said, who was right and who was wrong in your estimation? Well, you know, by based on Tom Brady's reaction to that question, Nick, where he responded by saying, so what is your question when asked about the criticism that Bruce Arians had against him? You know, I, I think that Tom Brady being the GOAT that he is, you know, maybe he didn't like that that Arians aired it publicly. That's definitely not a move Belichick would do. But I also like that in a new team, new environment, after a bad performance in week one, he held his quarterback accountable. And I do think that Brett Favre is right. Maybe you should just keep that in private. But I don't think Arians said anything that nobody knew from watching the game outright. Absolutely, man. You know how much I don't like to agree with you. But unfortunately, I just have to because it's absolutely accurate what you're saying. I mean, I think... You know, if you're Bruce Arians, you have to say something because you are the head coach. Um, maybe he could have gone about it a little different way because it was Tom Brady. But at the same time, let's not act like Tom Brady, Tom Brady rather, is above reproach. And Brett Favre needs to fall back and sit on his tractor on his farm and, and worry about that instead of worrying about what's going on in the league that he's no longer a part of. All right, Nick, you will be in attendance live at SoFi Stadium to welcome in your... Los Angeles Chargers as they uh, have their debut at SoFi Stadium against the reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs and reigning NFL MVP Pat Mahomes. The Chargers are nine-point underdogs, Nick, going into the game. Tell me who wins. Tell me the final score. First of all, you got jokes. These are not my Chargers. I just happen to cover the team just like you cover the L.A. Rams, and I do too, so knock it off. I'm trying to put it off on me, but no. I think, uh, like I said, I think that I think uh, the Kansas City Chiefs will cover the spread. Um, what is the spread? You said nine points mm. is the spread. Yeah, they'll do that. They'll handle that. I think it's going to come in the fourth quarter, though. I don't think it's going to. I think it, it could be tight in the first half as these teams fill each other out. But I'm going to go. Ooh, I'm going to go 34-24 actually. All right, Nick, I definitely think that if you are a gambling man out there that you put all of your money on the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, even though nine points is a lot. And I believe uh, off the top of my head, the largest um, the largest spread in the NFL this week, I think the Chiefs are the class of the NFL. I think until they get knocked off, they are the champs. Uh, and you got to knock them out. And I just don't think the Chargers are going to do that, especially when you don't have fans for this debut at SoFi Stadium, which could have actually maybe helped the Chargers unless it would have been all Kansas City fans. I don't know. Uh, whereas if they go play in Kansas City later this year, there is supposed to be some fans there. So uh, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs will handily defeat the Chargers. I think that offense that you think will get going this week is going to continue to struggle. I got the Chiefs 35-13. to 13. All right, Nick. As you mentioned, the Rams traveled to the city of brotherly love this week to take on the Philadelphia Eagles, who are a little bit angry and upset after blowing that lead against the Washington football team in week one. Surprisingly, the Eagles are a one-point favorite at home. Now, one point in the NFL might as well be a 
toss up a pick them. But unfortunately for the Rams, they're saying the Eagles are the favorite. So Rams head into this matchup with the Eagles as the underdog, Nick, who you got? What's the final score? I'm definitely going to take the Rams in this one. I think the Rams have a lot more weapons on offense. I think their defense will continue to roll as they continue to gel and get used to the new system. I think Jared Goff's going to have a little better game probably than he had against the Cowboys. Um, So I'm going to go Rams. I'm going to go Rams 24. I'm going to go Eagles 20. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if you base this off of a one-point game, what do they think the odds makers think the final score is going to be? 24-23 something? I guess it could be. Uh, just a little bit of an odd NFL score. Um, you know, this is going to be a very interesting matchup, but I think the Rams are coming in with some momentum. And I think that, as I mentioned to you, Jason Peters, um, who got exploited in that game against Washington, the Rams, in my opinion, have better defense in the Washington football team. And Aaron Donald is a much, much scarier player than Chase Young at his early, you know, rookie career after just one game. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead too and pick the underdog in this. I'm going to say 24, 21 Rams. All right, Nick. And now it's time for your favorite segment. Fantasy, fantasy, football, fantasy, 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 football, fantasy. If you like football, then you like fantasy. Fantasy, football, fantasy. All right, Nick, we will start, of course, with your Chargers as they host the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll start at the quarterback position. Obviously, I think, you know, I know what you're going to say about Patrick Mahomes, but do you dare start Tyrod Taylor against the Kansas City Chiefs defense this week? Absolutely, positively not. Sit. Pick the splendors out your behind. Yeah, I agree with you, Nick. Definitely bench Tyrod Taylor. As I said, you shouldn't even own Tyrod Taylor if you're in fantasy, uh, unless you ha- are just in a very, very deep league with a lot of teams. He's a guy, in my opinion, He may, as Nick said, he might not win you games, but he might not lose you games, but he's definitely not going to put up crazy fantasy points, especially when the rushing attack is so good uh, for the Chargers. Uh, bench or sit Tyrod Taylor. And absolutely, if you own Patrick Mahomes, he is a must-start every week. I cannot think of any reason to not play Patrick Mahomes ever. So you absolutely have to play Patrick Mahomes in that matchup, Nick. Sticking with the quarterback position, though, we head over to the city of brotherly love. You got two 2016 NFL draft picks that went one and two. There's a rivalry between them. Whether they know it or not, they are still friends, and they text each other from time to time. Do you like starting Carson Wentz or Jared Goff this week, or do you bench him? I think you start them both. I think they're both going to get in the end zone this week. I think both are going to be gunning for the end zone. I think they're both going to be fired up because it, because the hype is surrounded by both of them. I think they're going to they're they're definitely going to want to put on a show of some sort. So I definitely agree. You start Jared Goff and you start Carson Wentz. Yeah, I'm on the fence on this one, Nick. I think there's a lot better nice. options. I'm a, I think there's a lot better options for you to start this week. If you own them and you happen to have two quarterbacks on your team, then depending on who that second quarterback is, maybe you start them over. I feel like they're going to end up somewhere in the middle of the rankings this week. So I'm going to take a flyer and say, unless this is the best you got, bench Carson Wentz, bench Jared Goff this week, and... Uh, and maybe go for a guy like Kyler Murray against the Washington football team or, or a guy like Tom Brady who might have a bounce back game against the Carolina Panthers who aren't very good. Or even Cam Newton who was going really late in drafts uh, or even Ben Roethlisberger who we mentioned earlier. I would go with all those guys above Goff and Wentz this week. Wow. Nick, moving over to the running back position for your Chargers. Um, do you start Austin Eckler? Do you take a flyer and start Josh Kelly this week as well? Who do you start at uh, the running back position for either the Chargers or the Chiefs. You know what? I'm going to have to start Austin Eckler because I think, you know, I think Anthony Lynn is going to go with the veteran experience because Austin is the veteran in this situation. He's played against the Kansas City Chiefs numerous times. Um, but don't don't sleep on Josh Kelly either. I think if you have an opportunity to get Josh Kelly, you may want to get him and hold on to him and see what he does, especially coming off the great game that he came off last week. Um, they may use him in in, in, in red zone situations. Um, sometimes maybe even as a decoy uh, for Austin Eckler. You never know. But I think if you have Austin Eckler, you're starting. I think you hold on to Josh Kelly if you have a chance to, to grab him up. 
Uh, I agree with you on both fronts. I think you absolutely start Austin Eckler. If you own Austin Eckler, he's probably a week-to-week start. And if you're going to start him against the Chiefs, then there's nobody I can think of that you wouldn't start him against. Uh, as far as Josh Kelly, I don't start him this week. But if you if he is still, for whatever reason, on the free agent, grab him off the waiver wire. He is one Austin Eckler injury away from putting up big, big numbers and having a big, big role. But speaking of rookies, Nick, here's the best guy I think you own in that matchup who we saw emerge in that uh, NFL opening debut on Thursday Night Football in Week 1, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the Kansas City Chiefs. He had a big game in Week 1. I think he'll have a big game in Week 2. To me, he is the biggest running back to own out of all the matchups this week. And that leads us, Nick, to the Rams, uh, who have their three-headed monster at running back. Malcolm Brown scored two touchdowns again. Do you dare start him uh, in, in Week 2? Ah, see, that's, this is the one I'm on the fence about because even though he had a great game against the Dallas Cowboys, he played 60% of the snaps. You know, he had 18 carries, obviously, for 79 yards. But also, you got you can't, you can't, you know, forget you're going to have Cam Akers get mixed in. You're probably going to have some Daryl Henderson mixed in, which is going to take away for some needed carries and snaps that Malcolm Brown may get. So, ah, I'm, I'm on the fence with that. I think if you have Malcolm Brown, you can hold on to him. Um, I don't think he's going to do any damage to you. Uh, but I wouldn't if I had opportunity to start him. I don't know if I would necessarily start him um, over sitting him. And do you start either of the Eagles running backs? No. All right, Nick. So here's what I think when it comes to the Rams. I'm going to pull a little surprise, a little rabbit out of my hat, so to speak, on you here. First and foremost, I do start Malcolm Brown this week. If you own him, I think we heard, we found out some revealing things in week one about how the Rams are going to use their running backs. Yes, Cam Akers is going to start. Yes, Darrell Henderson is going to give him a rest every now and then. But when it comes into the red zone and when it comes down to the goal line, Malcolm Brown is the guy getting the ball. And that means touchdowns. And whether you're in a touchdowns-only league or a standard league, touchdowns are the big point-getters, and Malcolm Brand is going to be the guy getting them for the Rams. So if you have him, play him freely, knowing he's not going to necessarily get you a 100-yard game, but he is going to find the end zone is what it seems like. And on the Eagles' side of the ball, this is going to surprise you, but I am really high right now on Miles Sanders, Nick. Uh, I think his stock is rising right now. Uh, I think he's been catching some passes and some balls out of the backfield as well as the receptions. So to me, he seems like a guy that that should be owned and should be started right now, uh, especially if he's good to go. I know he's got a little bit of a hamstring injury, a little dinged up, but I think he's going to start. I think that's a guy you definitely start in week two with Miles Sanders on Philadelphia. Okay, Nick, moving over to the wide receiver position, starting with your Chargers. As we said, if you own Keenan Allen, it's hard to bench him at any time, especially against a tough matchup here against the Kansas City Chiefs. But, uh, you know, guys like Mike Williams is definitely up there. So, Nick, who do you start this week uh, on the Chiefs? And who do you start this week on on the Chargers? And who do you sit? Well, I definitely start Keenan Allen at the wide receiver position for the Chargers. I think Keenan Allen is going to have a a good game. He's going to try to bounce back from that week one uh, started, you know, the week one game where he didn't really show up or really wasn't giving the ball too much. I should say that. So I, I would start Keenan Allen. If you have Mike Williams, I would hold on to Mike Williams because you never know what he's going to do. He's so acrobatic. He's, he could just jump out of the gym, so to speak. So I would hold on to him um, if I'm if I'm the Chargers, if I'm the Ram- excuse me, if I'm the Chiefs. Um, I would absolutely sit Sammy Watkins. Um, the Chargers secondary is very good, especially outside the slot. Um, so I would sit Sammy Watkins. I would probably, as a stretch, I would probably start Tyreek Hill. Um, but outside of that, I wouldn't start any other wide receiver. Yeah, Nick, I kind of agree with you. I think Sammy Watkins and Mike Williams are fringe wide receiver three flex guys, maybe if you have them, but I don't expect a big game from them. Uh, Here's some guys in that matchup that I definitely think you 100% must start. Keenan Keenan Allen obviously is going to be a must start uh, if you have him, though don't expect a monster game from him. I think he's going to have an average to middling game this week. Uh, And I think the guy to start who's going to have a monster game is Tyreek Hill on the Chiefs. I think without Derwin James, if if Tyreek Hill gets a slant or anything past the set, the first primary defense and gets into that secondary, he's going to blow by the safeties if Derwin James isn't there. So I think Tyreek Hill has a very good game against the Chargers this week, despite the Chargers having good defense. 
Yeah, I, I hope Tyreek Hill gets cracked. Uh, I don't like Tyreek Hill, and you know, you already know why I don't like Tyreek Hill. So yeah, but he's the cheetah, man. He's the cheetah. I don't give a damn if he's a damn cheetah or not. Cracking. I hope the Chargers defense cracks him a couple of times. And we definitely know why you're saying that, but we won't get into that right now on the show. Nick, we move over to the Rams and Eagles. Uh, the new $65 million man, Robert Woods. Do you start Woods, Cup? You know, Cup struggled. This is going to be a Rams team where I think between those two guys, some guy, some guy is going to have a good game. Some other guy might have a down game when the other guy has a good game. Who do you start this week? Or do you start them both? Or do you not start either? And the same thing goes for the Eagles receiver. Well, I definitely would start Robert Woods coming off that week one impressive uh, play, impressive plays that he's, he's been making in week one against the Cowboys. Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's keep Robert Woods on the field. I think he's going to do even more spectacular things against that Eagles secondary. But if I'm on the Eagles side, I would definitely sit Deshaun Jackson. Um, he hardly played in week one. He's going to see a hell of a lot more of Jalen Ramsey uh, in week in this week two matchup. So I would absolutely sit Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, I agree with you on some of those things, but Deshaun Jackson's a tricky one to me. Again, don't expect a whole lot from Deshaun Jackson. If you own him and you have better wide receiver options, do not start him. But if you don't have better options, there's a chance with, you know, Taylor Rapp and Jordan Fuller being a six-round pick uh, that, that Deshaun Jackson could get one deep pass. And if you get one big deep pass and it happens to be for a touchdown, that's all you need for a guy like Deshaun Jackson. I mean, if you get one catch for 46 yards on a touchdown, that's going to be enough for you. So think about that when deciding to play Deshaun Jackson. But again, I think you got to start Cooper Cup and Robert Woods each and every week. Van Jefferson is not on that board yet, but Cup and Woods are must starts for me each and every week, even though there's that possibility, as I mentioned, that one's going to go off and have a good game and the other might have a meh game. But you got to start both of them if you own them. They are the two go-to guys now for Jared Goff in town now that Brandon Cooks is out of the picture. And they are targets that Goff's going to look for each and every week. All right, Nick, we move. Catch the ball. Exactly. All right, Nick, we move to the tight end position. And this is a position of strength for the Eagles. In fact, two tight ends Mm -hmm. you could maybe start here. But we'll start with the Chargers. Uh, Do you start Hunter Henry this week? Do you start Travis Kelsey? I think I know the answers from you on this one. Well, absolutely. You start Hunter Henry. I mean, the Chiefs had trouble with Jordan Atkins. So if they got trouble with Jordan Atkins. Lord knows how much trouble they're going to have with Hunter Henry, who's above and beyond much farther than that. So I, I would definitely start Hunter Henry. I would definitely start Travis Kelsey as well. Yeah, I agree with you, Nick. This is going to be one of those situations for fantasy owners where this is going to be rare for our show, Bolts by the Horns, in this fantasy segment. Here's a matchup where you have both the Chiefs, Chargers, Rams, and Eagles, where you're talking about not four, but five tight ends that, in my humble opinion, are going to be in the top 10 this week in fantasy. How crazy is that? Five tight ends on four teams, all in the top 10 total. That is crazy. So I say you start them all. Travis Kelsey, uh, you start Hunter Henry. On the Rams-Eagles, you start Zach Ertz. You start Tyler Higby, and you start Dallas Goddard. And for any reason, if Tyler Higby or Dallas Goddard is still available in your league, run, sprint like Tyreek Hill the Cheetah. Do not walk to the waiver wire and grab those guys. All right, uh, Nick, we move over to the kickers. Obviously, we got two rookie kickers in the Money Badger, and uh, keep it slow, man. Keep it slow, man. With slow, man. But uh, we got some veteran kickers. We got some veteran kickers on the opponents with the Chiefs. Your boy, Harrison Butker, and obviously Jake (laughs) Elliott with the Eagles. Out of those four kickers, who do you like to start this week, and who do you want to sit, Nick? Uh, I'm definitely going to start the Money Badger. I'm going to put my money on the Money Badger, baby. Let's get it. Uh, I think he's going to come around this week. I don't start any of the Chiefs kickers. Uh, I, I sit the Chiefs kickers. Um, but my money is on Michael Badgley. Well, I'll start with this. I think because the Chiefs are going to score so many points on the Chargers that you absolutely must start Harrison wow. Butker this week. Uh, even if he just gets five or six extra points on touchdowns, uh, that's enough for you even if he doesn't end up kicking any field goals. But I think he might get a couple field goals in those matchups because the Chargers defense can hold them down the red zone. Uh, I like Jake Elliott maybe as a fringe kicker pick. Depends on how deep your league. But I think he'll end up kicking a couple field goals against the Rams this week. As we saw with the Cowboys, the Rams did a pretty good job in the red zone of of keeping them on fourth down and getting them to kick the ball or go for it and have a turnover on downs as we saw against the Cowboys than that. Unfortunately, I disagree with you, Nick. I would not start Michael Badgley, the Money Badger, or Slow Man, Sam Sloman of the Rams this week. 
Those guys showed us that they're still a little bit of rookies. They missed a couple field goals. Let's get their legs under them. Let's get them some experience before we decide to start those guys each and every week. Um, you know what? I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to go with the slow man. I'm going to go with the slow man. I, I, I think he can definitely continue to try to find his way and he's going to find his way into the upright. So I'm going to go with the slow man. All right, Nick, you you listeners out there, you heard this. Nick says start the rookies and bench the veterans. I say start the veterans and bench the rookies. You know we're going to come back to this next week on our right and wrong segment. We look back at this. Finally, Nick, for our fantasy segment, defense wins championships. And the Los Angeles teams have two pretty good defenses, although one of those defenses is going up against arguably the best offensive team in the league this week, Nick. Do you start, do you gamble and start the Chargers defense against the Chiefs, even though we know they're good, but they're playing the Chiefs? And then we have the same question with the Rams and Eagles and the same question with the Chiefs against the Chargers. Tell me who you start, who you sit. I think I sit both defenses. I sit the Chargers defense and I sit the the Chiefs defense. Well, if you call it a defense, I think I sit them both this week. Um, Yeah, no, no, again, no, no Drew Tranquil, no Derwin James going to be tough so i'm going to sit them both this week and i happen to agree with nick a lot even though i do think the chargers defense despite those injuries we mentioned are pretty good i don't start them against the chiefs this week but i think the chargers offense is horrific especially after what we saw them against the bengals i think the chiefs defense is good i would start them this week i think they are going to absolutely make a horrible day and a horrible debut at sofi stadium for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I would honestly, Nick, though, as I was mentioning about Jason Peters um, and the, the, the weaknesses he showed me and the flaws he showed me in that loss to the Washington football team, I do start the Rams defense this week, if only for the amount of sacks they might add up, which, you know, can add some points to you. And if they do happen to get some pressure on Carson Wentz because of Peters, who's there to protect his blind side, maybe you get a fumble. Maybe you get a hit that turns into an interception. So go ahead and start the Rams defense this week. Start the Chiefs defense. I don't know about the Eagles. Maybe if you have to on a flyer, maybe, because you never know what Jared Goff's going to show up. But I definitely don't start the charge this week. And Nick, that is our fantasy sequence. Uh, listen, I think it's going to be a better week, too. I'm looking forward to going to SoFi Stadium once again, this time for actual real game. Um, it's going to be it's going to be exciting just to be in that place. I mean, it is sports heaven on steroids. I'm looking forward to a good game. Hopefully we get a competitive, competitive game and nobody gets hurt. And the same thing with the Rams. I think the Rams are going to be a, 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 a better team on the road. Sometimes teams perform better on the road than they are at home because they have to gel with one another. So looking forward to a big Rams victory. Looking forward uh, to a good game between the Chargers and the Chiefs uh, at SoFi Stadium. What about you, man? Well, Nick, you know, as I mentioned, you were the one in your tidy whities with Doritos watching the Chargers last week. This week, it'll be me and my tidy whities watching the Rams take on the Eagles and likely watching the Chargers as well at SoFi Stadium. I will not be there this week as I will have to be preparing for the Lakers game two against the Denver Nuggets on Sunday afternoon. So I'm excited to watch some football this week rather than have to worry about parking and traffic and all the other things that went with SoFi. So I will be excited for this and I'm excited to see what we got right and what we got wrong next week. Well, you know what? That visual that you gave earlier, now I'm going to go on Instagram and look up some Instagram models and put that kind of imagery in my brain so I can at least function for the rest of the day. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners for checking us out on another episode of Bolts by the Horns. Make sure you check us out each and every week. Go to SoundCloud and all various streaming platforms. Also, you hit us up on all social media platforms at Nick Hamilton LA. You can follow Michael Duarte at Michael J. Duarte on all social media platforms and at nbcla.com you can follow me also at nightfallmedia.com and also various platforms and uh everywhere you have a television and radio until next time thank you so much rams fans charger fans keep it going let's get going let's go let's go two and oh if you're a rams fan hopefully go two and oh if you're a chargers but i doubt it you may be 500 by the time you hear the next broadcast until next time please be safe out there and i'll let ruth bader ginsburg rbg take us out i ruth bader ginsburg do solemnly swear that i will support and defend 
the Constitution of the United States. If you could change one thing about the Constitution, what would it be and why? I would add an Equal Rights Amendment to the Constitution. You've been listening to Bolts by the Horns. I'm Todd Lights, wishing you a good night, everybody. Thank you.